Well, why don't you give him a warm welcome? Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth, we're so glad that you're here with us. God bless you. Give Jesus a shout of praise tonight if you love him in the house. Come on. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I want you to say this with me. Tonight's my night to receive a touch from God. One more time. It's my night for a turnaround. If you believe it, clap those hands one more time. Give Jesus a shout of praise. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight. I'm so glad to see my friends, Kevin and Tammy, are here all the way from our church in West Palm Beach. Would you put your hands together and welcome Kevin and Tammy Dalton. I look over and saw them. My goodness, you surprised me. Had no idea you were coming. I'm so glad you're here. I love seeing your faces anytime I get to see them. Let me tell you, I'm blessed. God, uh, God has, I, 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 could, I could stand here literally and tell you all the things God's done just over the last two to three years. That if, if, if somebody would have told me three years ago how much God was going to do in a short period of time, I'd have fell out in the Holy Ghost on the ground. Because God has blessed and increased this ministry so quickly, so violently, that you would not be able to believe it unless you were a person of faith. Because that's how God works. He moves quickly. Can you say amen? And uh, one thing that I've been thankful for since the beginning of our ministry, you know, I, I um, left Bible school in 2002 and immediately went into the ministry full time. And then uh, as I was preparing to evangelize, I heard the Lord speak to me during a time of fasting and prayer. And he said, go to Virginia Beach and help your uncle as he's planting the church there in Virginia Beach, which made no sense to me. I, I knew since I was young that I was called to be an evangelist. And the Lord was instructing me to go and be an associate pastor. And I knew nothing about any of that. But I said, yes, Lord, I'll go. And, you know, I went. Not only did I receive impartation after impartation, not only was I blessed, not only did I learn so many things that I needed to learn. You know, the Lord will put you in a place and then pour things into you that you need for what he's called you to do. And uh, God did that and used my uncle, my aunt, and that that uh, opportunity that I had to pour into me, to receive impartation, to grow, to learn what God had for me more. At the time, it didn't make sense, but now that we've just launched our church, makes all the sense in the world that that's what I started off with. But while I was there, God gave me one of the biggest blessings outside of my salvation. It's got to be the biggest, and that is my wonderful and beautiful wife. Hallelujah. And I'm blessed because I get to travel with my family. And I have my uh, wife and all of our children. She homeschools all three of our children. And she's also a powerful preacher and teacher. And she does all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff in our, in our ministry. Uh, I'm telling you, God has blessed me with a wonderful, wonderful woman. And uh, her mother is here, my mother-in-law. And we're so happy to have Miss Suzanne Heck with us. You know you're on track if even your mother-in-law comes to hear you preach. Amen. And she's a blessing to us. And uh, I wanted to take a minute tonight and just uh, have my wife come and greet you because she hasn't got to yet. But would you put your hands together and welcome my wife, Carolyn. Welcome. Who has been here every night so far? Yeah. Whose first night? Woo! 
Hey, welcome. We're so glad to have you. You're in the right place at the right time. I'm telling you, I, I said to him when we were getting ready, I said, I'm excited to go to church. <laughs> Let me tell you, traveling for 14 years, not every place is this exciting. <laughs> no, like, that's for real. It's not. And so there's such a faith and an expectancy every night. Last night, we couldn't even shut it down if you were here. Right? Like, Pastor finally was like, I was like, where's that voice coming from? And she's, like, gathering her stuff after, like, the third song that was supposed to close. She's like, you want more? See you tomorrow at 6. You know? Come back. <laughs> Lights are turning off. But there's such fertile ground here. Listen, there's such fertile ground here. One of the biggest things I, I love to do is quality time with my family. Because it's important, especially with as busy we, as we are in ministry, and a ton, you know, I can't focus on everybody else and leave my family aside. So my number one priority, Jesus, my husband, my children, okay, so that's my family, then my ministry. And so we take this trip that I love every year out to Wis uh, Wyoming, Montana and Wyoming, and we rent an RV and we go off grid. And I love it because nobody can get a hold of us. <laughs> I don't know if you love it as much, but I love it. Nobody can call us. Nobody can text us. Jenna hates it. She hates it because then she can never get a hold of us. <laughs> but I love it so much. Well, while I'm out there, just God's creation speaks to me. Ah. God's creation speaks to me. And it just shows us that we don't have to worry about a thing. We really need to disconnect from the things of this world, from the reports, from things that come at us, voices, shows, the news, people who do not believe the same way that we believe. We have to disconnect from that. And so when I'm out there and I look around and I see all the animals, you know, we love to quote Matthew 6, right, 33, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We love to quote that, but let's back up a little bit. If you can put up Matthew 6 for me, go to 31 if you can. New Living Translation is fine, okay? So I'm out there looking at the animals, right? I'm looking, and I, I was telling my church this. That was when we came back from camping. I was like, I was watching the moose come out, and I was watching, you know, the squirrels run up the tree, and no, but none of them were freaking out about anything. I didn't see one deer with a mask on. No animals told me to stay six feet apart. You know what I mean? Like none of them were over there in some kind of like a wood rocking chair. Like I'm so worried. Where am I going to get my next nut? You know, no, no, <laughs> no, nobody, no, no animal was doing that. And it really makes me think about this, this chapter and these first few verses because it says, look where it says, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. I love, but I want verse 32 is what I want us to focus on tonight. Look at that. Let's go to verse 32 for me. These things. Right. What? Dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. We are believers. These things don't dominate our minds. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Look at that. 
There is a supply for everything we need. There is a supply before we even think there's a need. There is a supply from heaven, and all we have to do is tap into it. How wonderful. When we need something from God, he isn't going, oh, my gosh, okay, so a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm going to throw in a little bit of this, and there's their joy. There's their provision. There's their finances. There's their healing. Absolutely not. The supply is already there. Listen, a circumstance does not determine provision. Faith does. A circumstance does not determine a provision, but faith does. And that's what we have tonight. All of us are believing for something. I'm even believing for great things. I'm believing for great things in my own life, in the lives of the people at my church, and our traveling ministry. All around, I'm believing for great things. And that's why you're sitting here. Don't come in and leave the same. Don't come in this week and not leave this end of this week without a mighty testimony in your hand, right? Because he has a supply. We're tapping into that. Let's take a minute. Let's lift our hands. We're going to take a minute to press in and pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you are almighty. You are our healer. You are our provider. You are our comforter, our peace, our joy. What we need tonight is in your word. And as it goes forth, we're going to receive it into our spirit, man. And we're going to latch on to that with a bulldog tenacity. We're not letting go. You promised your children that we'll have more than enough. The righteous don't beg. We do not beg. We are your seed, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do for us, for all that you are for us. If you need forgiveness, he's your forgiveness. If you need love, he's your love. If you need joy, he's your joy. If you need peace tonight, he's your peace. If you need healing, he's your healing. Healer in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive it. He is yours. It is mine. Say, it is mine in Jesus' name. The supply is mine in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's give Jesus a big shout of praise if you receive that tonight. Somebody shout, it's mine in Jesus' name. Say it again, it's mine in Jesus' name. You believe that tonight? I'm telling you, something good's about to happen to us tonight. I said something good's about to happen to us tonight. I came in both barrels loaded tonight, I'm telling you. Something good's about to happen. <laughs> If I was the devil, I'd be running from this place. I'm just telling you that this is not where he wants to be tonight. I see some people in the house that are ready to go to battle in the Holy Ghost. Any Holy Ghost warriors in the house tonight? Yeah. God's raising up an army. You know, it's, it's more than just something we say. It's something that the Bible teaches, that we're the soldiers in the army of the Lord. You know, God's not looking. Let me, in fact, let me just say it this way if you're taking notes. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Let me say it again. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. You know, I was watching. This, this really stirred me up. You know, my cousin got me into watching soccer years ago. I was not a, I didn't grow up watching soccer. I never played soccer. But now I love soccer more than any other sport. That's the only thing I watch anymore. And uh, my cousin got me into it in a World Cup years ago. My cousin Jonathan. And uh, I started watching and learning the rules and learning the game. And uh, now that I watch these guys, I'm amazed because they're in such good shape. 
These guys run that pitch, which is bigger than a football field, and they run for 90 minutes, two halves, and there's no timeouts. And they only get three substitutions on an 11-man team for a whole match. I mean, these guys are in shape. But as I'm watching them run, you know how in shape they are? They have to keep their bodies in such shape that even in the off-season, if they get caught, there was a guy, a professional soccer player, that got caught on camera during his vacation smoking one cigarette. They, they caught him smoking one cigarette. He got fined tens of thousands of dollars. For, why? Because he's under contract to do a job for that team. They need him at peak condition to be able to complete his purpose. And so he got fined tens of thousands of dollars for one cigarette. And so I was watching this, but you know what hit me? As I'm watching the match, it's not just the teams that are running. The referees are running. I'm looking at these dudes in the, in the shirts that are they're refereeing the game. I'm thinking they got to be in just as good shape as the soccer players because they're full sprinting down the field. The guy that's holding that, that offsides flag that stands on the outside of the pitch, he has to sprint up and down the field to make sure no one's going offsides as they're doing those breakaways. Those referees have to be in just as good of shape as the players. But as I was watching that, you know what the Lord said to me? He said they have to train just as hard as the players, but they can never win. I thought, what? He said they can never win a championship. Doesn't matter how much they get in shape, doesn't matter how much they run, they can never win a championship. Say, why? Because they're not in the game. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. Do you know why? And this is for free tonight, by the way. But do you know why the devil wants to take you from running your race to refereeing somebody else's race? The devil wants to put a striped shirt on you and take you out of running your Christian race so you can judge somebody else's race. But you're not called to judge somebody else's race. You're called to run your race and finish your course and take the prize that's got your name on it. Somebody shout amen. And I'm telling you, God has a plan to bless his people. Somebody shout, that's me. And if it's not, it can be by the end of the service. Hallelujah. God has a plan. I like how my wife was saying that. God doesn't have to get up in heaven when you need something and then quickly create some concoction to bless you. He's already got something to bless you. He's already planned on how he's going to bless you. Gospel of John chapter 6, if you have your Bible, I'll show you this. Now, God's going to do some supernatural things tonight. I'm taking the end again, and I'm just telling you, there's already a flow of the Holy Ghost. This is a supernatural week. If it's your first night, this is not just another week of meeting. This is a divine appointment that God has with Power of Love Church. This is a week of breakthroughs and turnarounds in the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen to that? You're not going to be the same when this week comes to an end. Because God is releasing impartations and deposits from heaven. They're going to take you from where you are to where God wants you to be. If you believe it, say amen. God already knows how he's going to bless you. He already has a plan to bless you. And it's already set aside just for you. Now, when I say that God wants to bless you, I want to define what I mean by that. Because I'm not telling you that God just wants to meet your need. 
He's not a meet your needs kind of God. All through the scripture, he makes a point to show us over and over that he goes beyond meeting your needs and he takes his people into the overflow, into the more than enough. Somebody shout more. Yeah. God has a plan to do more than enough for you. Somebody say it again, more than enough. Say it again, more than enough. One more time, more than enough. Yet never again just think or believe that God just wants to meet your needs. He has a plan to go beyond that. He's a more than enough kind of God. He's all sufficient. How many would believe, because the Bible says it, our covenant in the New Testament is better than the one they had in the Old Testament? The Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 8, that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. They didn't have what we have. We were coming over tonight. My mother-in-law said, I thank God I don't live under the old covenant. We were listening to a preacher preach about uh, King David and a man named Uzzah in 2 Samuel 6. You remember the story. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, and that ox cart hit. Must have been a pothole on the way to Jerusalem. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it looked like that ark was going to fall off the cart. So he reached out and steadied it with his hands after God said, don't touch the ark with your hands. And the Bible says the anger of God was kindled. I mean, one mistake, dude is dead. I am thankful I live in the new covenant. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a better covenant established upon better promises. reason I'm bringing that up is because if God did supernatural things to bring Old Testament children into the overflow, into the more than enough, into abundance, how much more will he do for you? They didn't even have the blood of Jesus. They weren't new creatures in Christ. They weren't in covenant the way we are with the Most High God. Oh, they were followers of God, but we're part of Jesus' body. Woo! That, I might take a whole section just on that because that's enough to make you shout right there. I'm not just a friend of God. You know, we, we sing that song, I'm a friend of God. That's the lowest level thought process you can have. Because you're more than his friend. You're more than his friend. You're even more than just a new person. It's more than that. It's more than just I'm a child of God. It's more than that. He said, I'm going to do something supernatural. I'm going to make you a part of Jesus' body. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, there's stuff that I'll do for my kids that I won't do for my friends. You don't have to shout, but that's you too. You buying all your friends' kids Christmas presents? I didn't think so. <laughs> but you're buying your kids Christmas presents. But it's a whole other level when it comes to you. See, I'm not just a friend of God. I'm not just a child of God. I'm a member of the body of Christ. Oh, and if I am, then say this with me. If it can't harass Jesus, it can't harass me. Oh, yeah, whatever the devil can't do to Jesus, he's not permitted to do to you. I said if he can't do it to Jesus, then he can't do it to you. Why? Because you're a member of Jesus' body. Oh, hallelujah. I said you're a member of Jesus' body. God already knows how he's going to bless you. 
If he would take them into the overflow, how much more will he take us into the overflow? Say this with me. It's God's desire to take my family into more than enough. In John 6, we see an amazing story. Jesus is out in the wilderness. The Bible said he's on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. Verse 3. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, get this, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now there were thousands of people, according to scripture, 5,000 men plus the women plus the children. It would be very easy for there to have been 15,000 people there that day. That's if they only had one child. 15,000 people. And Jesus said, where are we going to buy bread to feed them all? And look at Philip. Verse, uh, verse 6, he said this, though. He said this to test him. Look at that. For he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> he didn't need Philip to weigh in on the answer. He was just testing where Philip's faith was at. Jesus did not need a second opinion. Jesus wasn't look for, looking for counseling. He was doing it to see where my disciples' faith at today because I've already got a plan to bless these people. I've already got a plan to take them into the overflow. I've already got a plan to, to give them more than enough. Look at Philip's answer. He said, Lord, oh, Lord, 200 denarii worth. <laughs> of bread would not be enough. You know what that was? That's about six months' pay. That's about six months' wages. He said a half a year's salary wouldn't be enough money to feed for each of them to get a little bit. I grew up in church, Pentecostal church, and I can remember on communion Sundays, pastor had already preached so long, I was starving. I was trying to get multiple servings of communion. Let me get six of those. I was starving. I can remember just getting a little cracker and a little bit of juice. I was like, oh, Lord, let the lunchtime come soon. Huh? I was trying. I was sneaking in the back, see where they storing all that after everybody's had some. I was ready to run back to the back room. Oh, yeah, I was hungry. And that's what he's saying. Each of them would only even get a little bit if we paid six months' salary to feed these people bread. I love this. And the Bible says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, well, there is a boy here who's got five barley loaves and two fish. Look at, look at his answer. But what are they for so many? See, that's, that's the mindset of lack. That's the mindset of doubt. See, here's what people need to realize about this story. Realize this. The five loaves. The two fish, that was not the harvest. It was just the seed. And the devil would love to make you look at the seed God put in your hand and say, what good is this going to do? Oh, I'm preaching here tonight. Catch this. The devil wants to make you look at your seed with harvest eyes as though that's all there's ever going to be. What good is this? Even if I sow this into the kingdom, what good is this going to do? That's what the disciples were saying. 
we got five loaves here. We got two fish, but uh, what are they for so many? And see, here's what they didn't realize, that the boy gave the loaves and the fish to Jesus. Now get this in your spirit. The boy did not give them to Jesus so Jesus could multiply them to feed the 5,000 men. The boy just said, I love Jesus so much, I'd rather him have my lunch than me have my lunch. The boy didn't just come back from a prosperity conference. He didn't just roll up in a Mercedes and pop out the size of, I got a seed in my hand, I, I came to sow. No, 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 no. This boy just said, I love Jesus so much, I'd rather him eat than me eat. Here comes the master. I want to give him my five loaves. I want to give him my two fish. I just want him to have what he, oh, man. Jesus, as my father has preached for years, Jesus knows how to take what you have and turn it into what you need. He can take what you have and turn it into what you need. I said he'll take what you have and turn it into what you need. Five loaves, two fish. What are these for so many, Lord? Hallelujah. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Have the people sit down. Look at this. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. If you read this same story in another gospel, he had them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. You know, some people, God wants to bless them, but they never get in position. In order to get what Jesus was getting ready to pass out, you got to sit down in groups of 50 and 100. If people were out doing their own thing, I came to get my loaves, Jesus. No, sit down in groups of 50 and 100. We're going to pass it out to you, but get in position first. There's people running around trying to get blessing their own way, trying to do things their own way, trying to discard God's way. God's like, I already got a blessing set aside for you. If you just get in position by obedience, I'll pour out stuff you don't have room to contain. Somebody shout position. Yeah, position's important. You know, your seed puts you in position. I said your seed puts you in position. I said, your seed puts you in position. When you sow your seed, it's you putting yourself right in the place where God is blessing. Woo, hallelujah. Watch now. The Bible says they sat down, and then he took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. Notice, if anybody was standing, they didn't get any. Because who did he distribute them to? Those that were seated. Only those that were in position. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. There's something in that right there. As much as they wanted. I got to say that again. As much as they. He didn't say till they were full. He said as much as they wanted. Because you know, if you've ever eaten good cooking before, you can eat till you're full and still want some more. <laughs> Pastor took me down to the taco truck last night. I didn't just eat till I was full. I, t I ate till I didn't want any more. I went back for round two. They thought I was overdoing it with round one. They thought the preacher was done with eight tacos. I wasn't done with eight tacos. That was just the appetizer. 
<laughs> yeah, I wasn't done. I said, I'm going back for some more. Are you still hungry? No, I'm just wanting, it tastes good. I'm just going back because it tastes good. <laughs> Why do you think I wore sweatpants out here? This is a whole different level. <laughs> Got to have a stretchy waist for this one, baby. I'm going in. <laughs> it just tastes, hey, I'm full, but I want more. That's a word for somebody tonight. I'm full, but I want more. 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 He didn't say, I'll make your cup full. He said, I'll make your cup overflow. It means the cup's already full, but he's still pouring, and he's still pouring, and he's still pouring till your cup overflows. Woo! Somebody shout overflow. Till your cup overflows. Till it's more than enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, look, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. I always read this story and thought, hold on. I know God knows how to count. I know he knows how to count. He's got a whole book called Numbers. I know he knows how to count. If you read this story and look at it the wrong way, you think Jesus overdid it. Oh, I must have overestimated how hungry they were. You think God's doing a supernatural miracle to multiply loaves and fish? God knew how many people were there that day, and he knew how hungry they were, and he knew how much they'd eat after they were stopped being hungry. And notice this. It could have stopped. See, if God's desire was just to get you to just enough, he could have fed his people till they were just full, till they could have got back home after the teaching without fainting along the way, if that was a God of just enough. But see, we read this the wrong way, and we think Jesus just overdid it. Oh, man, he, he did too much. He did too much. See, that's, that's why I like eating with either Italians or Latin American people. Because there's always way more than enough. Some people, you go to their house, there's a shriveled little meatloaf on a plate in the middle of the table. They'd be like, dinner's ready. It's like, where's y'all's food? That's mine right there. <laughs> I don't know where your food is at. <laughs> That's not for everybody, right? There's more coming? <laughs> I remember the first time I ever went to an Italian wedding. I thought, man, I came in. They had all this stuff set. I was in New York. And they had all the antipasta set out, all the meats and the cheeses and stuff. I thought that was the thing. So I was going in. I was tearing the prosciutto up and the cheese and salami. I was eating it like it was like going out of style. Everybody's looking at me like I'm insane. They're like, this kid is just tearing up the meat and cheese. I thought that was the whole thing. Then they took it away and brought out the pasta. I was like, oh, there's more coming. So I thought the pasta was the thing. So I started eating the pasta like it was my meal. They're looking at me like I'm insane because I didn't know the meat course was coming out after the pasta course. They had steaks coming out. They had beef. They had chicken. They had, I'm sitting here eating the pasta like it's the last meal on earth. 
They're looking at, I'm already full with the antipasta and all the meat and cheese. Now I got the pasta in me. And they took that away. And out came the meat course. I thought that was the end. I didn't know they had tables and tables of desserts ready to come out. I was like, I like this place. I'm coming back here. <laughs> and it was that day that I became a wedding crasher. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just looking in the newspaper for Italian weddings coming up in the future. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because there was more than enough, more than enough, more than enough. And I'm sitting here looking at this story, and you'd think that God in heaven, who knew how hungry they were, knew how many people there were, that if all he was trying to do was to get them to the place where they were satisfied, that the meat, the meat, which is the fish and the bread, would have stopped multiplying when the last person had gotten full. And we'd have looked around, Jesus would have cleaned off his hands, and everybody had been smiling and full and ready to hear his teaching. But Jesus didn't stop after everybody was full, and he didn't even stop when they kept on eating because they were going beyond full. He went till they wanted no more. And then when they wanted no more, he kept on multiplying. So that even though nobody was eating, he was still multiplying. He was st and then he said, disciples, go out and gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing may be Maybe what? Maybe what? You know what that shows you? God loves overflow, but he hates waste. He loves overflow, but he hates waste. It's not just so that this will go to nothing. No, 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 no. God will put more than enough in your life because he's getting ready to bless you to the place where you can be a blessing to your generation, that you'll be the one. You're not looking for somebody to come meet your needs. You're saying, God, send me right now to somebody who needs a blessing. Send me to somebody who needs an overflow, who needs more. And I'm telling you, God will raise you up in your generation to be a blessing. Somebody shout amen. The Bible says they went out. They gathered them up and filled. Twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. I want you to get this in your spirit. There was more when he was done than when he started. There was more than when he was done. After thousands of people had eaten, the leftovers was more than what they started with. <laughs> Are you going to get this in a second? Because people will ask. Wonder what happened to the leftovers. People think it belonged to the disciples because they had the baskets. No, 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 no. Remember the spiritual principle. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also. There was only one person in that crowd who had leftovers coming to him. It was a little boy who had brought the seed of loaves and fish to Jesus. Jesus wasn't going to send them home empty-handed. This is the one who had the faith that if I can just get this into Jesus' hand, something's going to happen here. I can't even imagine what it was like when that boy who left home with a little lunchbox came back to his mom and he had 12 men walking behind him with baskets full of bread and baskets full of fish. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to take your family into the overflow until there's no room left in your house for the blessing of heaven. Somebody shout amen. Get it in your heart. Get this in your heart. 
what it only took one little boy to bring to Jesus, it took a staff of 12 full-grown men to bring away from Jesus. What it only took one little boy to bring, it took 12 men to bring the extra. And that's after all the distribution. They left with far more than what they started with. I got a word for you. You're leaving with more than you started with. I said you're finishing with more than you started with. <laughs> I said you're finishing with more than you started with. I said you're finishing with more than you started with. Don't mind where you're at right now. Mind where you're going. This is not where you're finishing. Don't look at your life right now and think this is all God's got for you. Can I give you a word? This right here is just a layover. Say, what's a layover? If you were flying over to Disney World, if they reroute you and you don't have a direct flight, they might stop you somewhere else, like go to Atlanta. If you're on Delta, they might stop you in Atlanta first and then go down to Orlando. But nobody gets off the plane in, Orla in, in Atlanta and starts chest bumping and fist bumping saying, we're at Disney, baby. Nobody's running through the Atlanta airport with the Mickey Mouse ears. We're at Disney, baby. You ain't there yet. You're closer than you were before. But this is just a layover. This is just a layover. You're not where you started, but you're not where you're going. This is just a layover. I said, this is just a layover. Don't think this is the end. God's just getting started with your family. God's taking you where you've never been by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's my layover. Somebody shout, it's my layover. Tell somebody next to you, it's your layover. It's your layover. God's just getting started with you. I said, God's just getting started with you. God's just getting started with your children. God's just getting started with your business. God's just getting started with your ministry. God's just getting started with the work of your hands. God's just getting started with your husband. God's just getting started with your wife. God's just getting started with you. Don't think this is the end. It's just the beginning. I said, it's just the beginning. Woo! Woo! God already knows how he's going to bless you. <laughs> I said, God already knows how he's going to bless you. God already knows how he's going to bless you. I said, God already knows how he's going to bless you. <laughs> oh, yeah. The world won't be able to explain it. But not only will they not be able to explain it, they won't be able to explain it away. They won't be able to sweep it under the rug. You know how I know God's not going to bless you small? Let me tell you from Scripture how I know that when God gets ready to bless you, he doesn't do small things. The reason I know is because the Bible said he's a jealous God which means he wants all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. That means when he blesses his children, he will not do it in such a way that someone else can take the glory for it. He's not going to do it in such a way 
that the government will take credit or that a corporation will take credit or that the culture will take credit or somebody thinks you got a rich uncle somewhere that takes credit. No, when God blesses you, he'll do it so big that even sinners will have to say, God did that. God did that. <laughs> oh, somebody shout, God did that. Yeah, 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 God's going to bless you big. I say he's going to bless you big. He's not into small things. He's not into tiny things. If it was small enough that a man could do it, why would he do it for you? He wants to do it so that he gets the praise. He gets the glory. He gets the honor. <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, hallelujah. hallelujah. You're getting ready to step into the overflow. There's a reason, too. God's taking this house to another level. I said, God's taking this house to another level. God's taking this house to another level. God's not moving you into need. God's not moving you into just enough. God's not moving you into a place where it's going to take 20 years to access the next level that he has. You're not going to need a poster board with a thermometer with a fundraising thing on the side. And we color it in every time somebody gives $20. That's not how God's moving power of love forward. It's going to be grace under grace. It's going to be favor under favor. It's going to be glory under glory. Nobody will be able to understand. But it's the power of the Holy Ghost. Shout aloud, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. Somebody shout, no small things. Say it, somebody next to you, no small things are coming to you. Say it to somebody else, no small things are coming to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lift a hand and begin to thank him. No small things. No small things. No small things. No small things. God's going to manifest himself and take all the glory and take all the honor and take all the praise for what he's about to do. <laughs> In John chapter 11, Jesus goes to his friend's house. Lazarus, who had just died. He got word that he was about to die. But he told his disciples, I'm staying right where I am. I ain't going. I ain't going yet. And people thought, man, I thought it was his best friend. Your friend Lazarus, he's sick unto death. I know, I'm staying right here. Staying right here. <laughs> I looked later. I thought maybe it was because... It's this big, long journey. I thought maybe that's why it's going to take a long time. I can't go right now. No. You look at the map. Where Jesus was to where Lazarus was was like 1.8 miles. Took him four days to get over there. I could crawl that far in less than four days. Now, Jesus was proving a point. I'm staying right here. Let them do everything they think they can do. Because when he shows up for you, he's not going to show up so that somebody can say, well, it was a coincidence. He said, I'm staying right here. Let them do their religious thing. See, they had this Jewish belief that the spirit of a man hovered 
over the body for about three days. And then you were truly dead. If we can't call you back in three days, you're truly dead. So they would do all these different rituals and try to get the spirit to come back in the body and all that. He said, let them do what they think they can do. Jesus himself said, I'm going to stay dead for three days. <laughs> so you'll, every one of you will know I was dead, man. I was dead. I think he was just in a light coma. He was dead. <laughs> and he said, I'm staying right where I am. And then he goes to Lazarus' house. Mary and Martha are there. One of them's mad at him. She won't even come out of the house. She's in there finishing up the chicken, the mashed potatoes. I mean, he didn't even show up for me. I don't know. The other one's at the gate. Jesus, John 11, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You know what the issue was here? She was in the past. If you could have been here, her faith, she had faith in Jesus, but she thought it was too late. She had faith. If you'd have been here when he was still sick, not dead, it'd have been fine. He would not have died. If you could have just been here, my brother would not have died. You know why? Her faith was in the past. But faith don't work in the past. So Jesus has to kind of shake her a little bit. And he says, hold on. Do you not believe that your brother is going to rise again? He's shaking her faith up. Then she got real religious. Hallelujah. I believe he will, Lord, in the resurrection. He's going to rise again. She had an organist playing behind her. Oh, yeah. Touch three people say in the resurrection, he's going to rise again. No. He said, hold on, hold on. He had to pull her back because you know what she did? She jumped from the past into the future. But faith don't work in the past. And faith don't work in the future. Faith works right now. Faith works right now. Faith works right now. Oh, I read something this week that shook me up because I'd never thought of this like this before. This is the thing I read. It said, no decision have ever been made in the past. And no decision will ever be made in the future. Every decision is always made right now. You can't go back and make decisions. You can't go forward and make decisions. But you can make one right now. Every decision that's ever made is made in the present, in the right now. Jesus said, I can't go back and touch your faith in the past. And you've thrown yourself out into the future. I'm here to do something, but I'm going to do it in the right now. She said, in the resurrection, he'll rise again. He said, you don't even realize who's standing in front of you, do you? Because, see, her issue was she thought that the resurrection was a day on the calendar in heaven. She thought God had a calendar with a big red X through a day that's coming in the future that when we get to that day of X, then the resurrection's going to hit. He said, no, 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 you don't even realize I am the resurrection. <laughs> I am the life. See, the reason that there's going to, get this in your spirit, the reason there's going to be a resurrection day 
is because the resurrection man is coming back on that day. It's not because it's a day on the calendar. It's because who's coming back to earth. The Bible said the trumpet's going to sound. And the Jesus said the dead in Christ are going to get up out of their graves. Why? Because he's going to descend from heaven with a commanding shout. Hallelujah. Those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. Are you ready for that day? He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Woo! I am the life. He said, you're right, I showed up as the resurrection. Now show me where have they laid him. You know what Jesus is doing by his power? Before you can deal with a problem, you got to identify the problem. Don't be walking around covering it up. There ain't no problem. There's no issue. People come to church like that every Sunday. How you doing? Too blessed to be distressed. I'm under the spout where the glory comes out. Ah. They got a mask on, trying to pretend like everything's okay because they're behind a gravestone. I said they're behind a gravestone. And they back there, the Bible said, show me where they've laid him. He said, here he is. We've already put him in the tomb. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. They said, no, Lord, he stinks by now. And see, that's the issue, is that people, when they're even when they're believing God for something, they've got a stone rolled in front of it. They don't want anybody to see what's really going on. They want to see what God is dealing with them about, what the devil's attacking them with, so they roll a stone in front of it. And they still greet at the door on Sunday morning. God bless you. Wonderful to see you in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Huh? There's people still on the worship team, and they're singing, but the enemy's trying to attack them. But they don't want anybody to know, so they roll a stone in front of what's going on. And they say, no, my situation, it stinks too bad for anybody to know what I'm dealing with. It stinks too bad. But I got a word for you tonight. Jesus doesn't care how bad your situation stinks. He said, roll away the stone. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what it looks like. I came to get the man up out of the grave get up get up get up get up out of that grave get up get up get up get up out of that grave you gotta get up get up get up get up out of that grave come on get up get up get up get up out hold on sit on a sec he said he said roll away the stone but he stinks roll it anyway and they obeyed him Somebody shout, roll it anyway. Somebody shout, roll it anyway. I don't care what it looks like. I'm getting free tonight. I'm getting a touch tonight. God's going to break me through tonight. I don't care what the devil planned against my family. It's coming to an end tonight. Roll it anyway, baby. I said, roll it anyway, baby. I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what it looks like. Roll it anyway, baby. We're getting free tonight. I said, we're getting free tonight. Roll it. And they rolled away the stone. <laughs> People over there like this. <laughs> There's people that care more 
about what it would look like than what they could be after. You know, there's people that when they get the call to Christ comes, come to this altar. And the first thing that's in their mind is, people know me here. First question, people know me around here. What would people think if I went to the altar? That's not the question you need to be asking. The question I need to ask is, what will Jesus think if I don't go to the altar? We're only living life to please one person. You know how much easier life gets when you realize you only have to please one person? Woo! <laughs> It gets real easy. I said it gets real easy when you're not trying to make 62 people happy. When you're not trying to make everybody approve of everything you do, it gets real easy when you realize as long as he's happy with my life, I don't care who's unhappy with my life. As long as he approves, I don't care who disapproves. I don't care who dislikes it. I don't care who deletes me on social media. I don't care who blocks my phone number. If he loves me, if he's okay with me, that's all I need. Somebody shout, roll it, baby. Roll away the stomach. <laughs> Somebody shout it. Roll it, baby. They rolled it away. And in that tomb is a dead man. Not just, just dead, been dead four days. Middle East. So what do you mean by that? I'll tell you what I mean by it. Not just Middle East. That was Middle East like... A.D. 26, A.D. 27. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No refrigeration technology. There was no morgue. They didn't have the conveniences we have today. <laughs> We're talking about decay in the Middle Eastern heat. Body rotting away in a tomb four days. Jesus stands outside. I love that this shortest verse in the Bible, two words, Jesus wept. He didn't weep because he didn't believe Lazarus was going to get up. That's the whole reason he came. What do you think, Jesus didn't have faith in his own ministry? I hope this works today. Hallelujah. Some read the text and they say, no, he wept because of what they said. Look at how much he loved him. I think it was a combination of how much he loved him. But if he knew he's about to see him again, what's he crying for? I believe truly he, his heart broke because of their unbelief. They should have believed him when he showed up the first time. And then, looking in. He shouted, Lazarus, come forth. My grandfather, who pastored 62 years, he preached this. He said, the reason he said, Lazarus, come forth, is because if he had just said, come forth, everybody in the graveyard would have came out. Everybody. <laughs> Full out reunion. 
get the barbecues going. Lazarus, come forth. And one word. <laughs> Ooh, man, I feel the anointing in this tonight. One word from God. You know what's interesting? We have record in the scripture of Jesus shouting three times. And every time he shouts, dead people get up. This was the first time he shouted. Cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Man came out. He didn't come walking out. He was wrapped up in grave clothes. And here he is out of the tomb. He's looking for somebody to hook him up. I'm back, y'all. Just somebody unravel me. Jesus had to give another instruction. Loose him and let him go. Catch this now. He was alive, but he was still in grave clothes. There's people that come to church every week. They're on their way to heaven. They love the Lord, but they're still wrapped up in grave clothes. They're, they're, they're alive on the inside, but they still smell like death. They're alive unto Christ, but they're still smoking a pack a day. They're alive unto Christ, but they can't seem to get free from the weed. They can't seem to get free from the alcohol. They can't seem to get free from the pornography. They've received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they're still wrapped up in grave clothes. But Jesus was not done when he said, Lazarus, get up. He had a second command. Loose him and let him go. I came to tell you tonight, everything that was wrapping you up is coming off tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, lift up a shout of praise. Shout yes! Loose him and let him go. He's a more than enough God. I said he's a more than enough God. I said he's a more than enough God. He's a more than enough God. He's a more than enough God. Yeah. He has no rival. He has no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. I was, I was all over that song. I've been on it for a couple years because I started meditating on that. Got in my spirit. What does that mean? He's got no rival. I started to meditate on it. So I was like, what? We say that. We sing that. What does it mean to have no rival? Then I started thinking, what is a rival anyway? If you've ever played sports, you know what a rival is. Some of y'all, there's a crosstown rival. If you're in high school, there's a crosstown rival school that plays it every year. That's the biggest game because there's a rivalry. I grew up in West Virginia. At where we are, there's no professional sports teams in West Virginia, so we just got college football. That's all we got. And we have the West Virginia Mountaineers. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if they got in a bowl game or whatever. There was one game every year when we played Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was the rival. They called that game the backyard brawl. It was rough. It wasn't just rough on the field. It was rough in the stands. People are fist fighting in the stands. 
People are drunk. They are lit. They are gone. But they are fighting over this team. And one year it would be in West Virginia. Next year it's in Pittsburgh. Then back to West Virginia. Then back to Pittsburgh. And people are just going at it. I mean, it's a rough atmosphere. Because that's a big, big rivalry. I used to love to go in there. People be drunk. There's so many obscenities flying. People, you know, cursing out the players on the field. I used to love to just go in and just give real highbrow insults. I like to sit among all the drunk people, and I just start shouting stuff out. I'd be like, number 32 doesn't shower often. <laughs> Looks like 41 doesn't brush his teeth at night. <laughs> Guys just holding beers like, bro. <laughs> They're like embarrassed for me, bro. What are you saying? <laughs> One guy was so gone. He's like, yeah, man, he doesn't. He probably doesn't brush his <laughs> I just, just get in there, get just riling everybody up. I just make people think. <laughs> Rivalry game. And then I start, when I, was, I played high school basketball. We had rivalries. And it didn't matter. If that, if that college got in a bowl game, it didn't matter. Still the biggest game. Everybody wants to see that you win. You better beat that rival. We got the street credit for another year. We took you down last year in the backyard brawl. It was always the day after Thanksgiving. We go up. Everybody's full of turkey. <laughs> Cranberry sauce on their face. <laughs> I sat back and thought about it. The only reason that they could be rivals, same with the high schools around here, only reason they can be rivals is because the other team is in the same league. That's why. Who's, who's your local high school, school right here? Give me one high school. Spring, Spring High School, there's a reason that the Texas Rangers don't pull up in their bus and get out at Spring High School and get on the baseball field and start looking around at everybody and warming up to play a game. The Spring High School baseball team is not a rival of the Texas Rangers. There's a reason for that. They're not in the same league. That's why if you want to fight somebody that's the heavyweight champion of the world, you can't be a lightweight. You can't be a welterweight. You're not in their weight class. You're not a rival. You have no ability to stand in the ring with somebody that's not in your league. And the reason we can stand here and say, you have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all name. I'm standing here declaring, you have no rival. You have no. You know why he's got no rival? Ain't nobody in his league. People think. There's people that think. Because some, some grandma sent you on Facebook, the devil arm wrestling Jesus for the souls of men. And the devil's all jacked and got biceps and triceps. And Jesus is sitting there in his robe arm wrestling. They can't arm wrestle, baby. They're not in the same league. They're not fighting each other tonight. Jesus already won. He's already victorious. He won the battle. He won the war. He said, it is finished. 
And he has no rival. He has no equal. Now and forever, God, you. Come on. And yours is the kingdom. And yours is. Woo. Yours is the name. I want the team to run back real quick. We're getting ready to pray. Hear this tonight. Jesus is in his own league. I said Jesus is in his own league. Jesus is in his own league. Feel like preaching. Jesus is in his own league. Say, what are you talking about? The devil thought he was going to exalt himself above the most high God. If you read back to Isaiah, Isaiah said that the devil entered into heaven. And he said, I will be like the most high God. I will sit on the throne. I will sit in the sides of the north. I will be exalted above all. And God said, you won't. Bam. Gave him one smack. And Jesus looked back through the tunnel of time and told the disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw Satan fall like light. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I saw Satan fall like light. Say, what are you talking about? God put one smack down on the devil that day and sent him out of heaven so quick that to people below it looked like a lightning bolt. He got the ultimate knockout because the God we serve, he doesn't lose battles. I said he doesn't lose battles. He only wins. He only wins. He only wins. And he's fighting your battles for you. Lift a shout of praise. Come on. He doesn't lose. He only wins. He doesn't lose. He only wins. He doesn't lose. He only wins. I'm telling you tonight, I feel that. Yokes are breaking. Stones are being rolled out of the way. People that were hopping before tonight, the grave clothes are coming off. Whatever the devil used against your family, it can't work. It can't prosper. It can't come to pass. Because he has no rival. He has no equal. Now and forever, our God reigns. <laughs> our God reigns. I said, our God reigns. Our God reigns. Woo, lift your hands all over this house. I mean, God's already touching people right now. I said, he's already touching people right now. Things are changing for the better, for the better, for the better. It's turning around. I said, it's turning around. In a moment, we're going to sing that again. You have no rival. You have no equal. Woo. God's fighting on your behalf. I'll say this to you. Whatever felt like it hung on your family for years, it's breaking off. Because you can't curse what God's blessed. 
<laughs> you can't curse what God's blessed. Addictions breaking off by the power of the Holy Ghost. Things that looked like that they were going to repeat forever. Nope. Because he has no rival. He has no equal. <laughs> Anointing's flowing in this place. Receive it right where you're standing. My brother right here in the blue and your wife is in the husband and wife. Come. The anointing of God's on you. Lift your hands. <laughs> Tonight it is. What the enemy tried to use against your families for years, generations past, comes to an end tonight. <laughs> comes to an end tonight. <laughs> the generations after you won't even know what it feels like. What used to be there forever, generations past, the generations after you won't even know what it feels like, won't know what it tastes like, won't know what it smells like. Ha, ha, ha. From this night, God lifts you up to another level. Hey. Glory. Woo. Glory. <laughs> Lift your hands one more moment. Ah, glory, glory, glory to God. Take a minute, begin to lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Come here, my brother. your hands. Uh, there's a fresh anointing coming on you. This started last night, carried over to tonight. God's pouring into you a fresh anointing, a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost. There are things that God's going to have you step out and do that you thought, man, I'd never be in that position. I'd never do that. You thought, oh, that's for somebody else. God said, no, it's for you. It's for you. So I'm going to use you in such a mighty way before Jesus comes. You'll look back over your life in just a two-year span, a three-year span, and just laugh. And say, look how far God brought me in two years. Look how much God did through me in three years. <clears throat> I tell you, God's magnetizing you. It's like he's drawing souls to you from every direction to pull into the kingdom of God. They're coming in from every direction. They're coming in. I hear this. There's a revival coming. There's a revival coming. And the souls, God's blowing his breath from heaven and blowing them in from every direction. Uh, and from this night, a next level anointing and fire of God's manifestation power hits your life. Oh, watch and see. Watch and see what God's about to do in you. Ha, <laughs> ha. Rosto Ramatakaye, Rosto to Ramamasekia, a fire. <laughs> 
that is unquenchable. Shepo rosati kemi, roshte ki babasta, rumbandi kestia. Glory, glory. Receive it. Somebody shout, every yoke is being broken. Every chain snapping tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift those hands all over this place. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to do a new thing in your family. He's doing a new thing in you. <laughs> what was a frustration for years comes to an end. Oh, yeah. What was a harassment? What was a torment for years? It comes to an end in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so we laughing at, I'm laughing at the devil's ugly face. His time is up, my friend. His time is up. I said his time is up. No longer can he harass you and your family. His time is up. His time is up. His time is up. Ha, ha, ha. Can you sing that part you have? Come on. Would you lift it high? Come on. Sing. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is. Yours is the name above all. Oh, come on, lift it high. Yours is. Yours is. 
was at Lazarus' tomb, and when he shouted, Lazarus got up. The second time he shouted was on the cross. The Bible said he was about to give up the ghost, and he shouted out with a loud voice and then gave up the ghost. The Bible said when he shouted the second time, the earth began to shake, and the tombs all around the cross opened up and dead people got out. Holy men and women of God came out of their graves and began walking around. The third time is on that day when the trumpet sounds. He will descend from heaven with a shout and the dead in Christ are going to get out of their graves. What am I telling you? Every time Jesus shouts, dead people get up. Every time Jesus shouts, dead people get up. He shouted on the cross so that death couldn't control, sin couldn't control, invisible prisons couldn't hold his people anymore. That's why I want you to bow your head tonight. Sin is no light matter. It's a matter of life and death. Don't let the devil Destroy your life through the power of sin. Don't allow one thing to stand between you and God. Hear me tonight. I don't know when Jesus is coming. Nobody does. We'll not know the day or the hour of his return, the Bible said, but we can know the season. In fact, the Bible tells us that as we see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. That's what we're doing this week. We're gathering more, not less. You know why? Because we can see the day of the Lord approaching. He's coming. I don't know when, but he's coming soon. He's coming soon. And if your head's bowed all over this place, if you're in this church tonight and you say, there's something in my life that I want to know that's removed, that's holding me back from being a child of God. I refuse to let sin harass me, destroy me one day longer. Tonight's your night of freedom. Tonight in just a moment when we pray this prayer, all things are going to be made new. The devil cannot do what he planned to do in your family and in your life. It comes to an end tonight in Jesus' name. If you're here, you say, preacher, that's me. The Lord's been dealing with me. And I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to know that my name is written in heaven. I want to know that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And that heaven is going to be my home when Jesus comes. If you need to pray that prayer right where you're standing, lift your hand and hold it high. Do not be ashamed. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Who else? Tonight's your night. This is a day of victory. Yes, over here. God bless you. Who else tonight? Lift your hand with those that have already lifted theirs. And let's pray this prayer of freedom together. Who else? Jesus is dealing with you. Tonight's a night of turnaround. I see it in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless you. Come on. Come on. He's calling out. Yes, ma'am. He's calling out. He loves you tonight. There's people that think God's mad at them. There's people that think God's just waiting to strike them with a lightning bolt. No, God loves you. He's reaching out to you with the gospel. He's saying, tonight's the night. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week. Today's the day. 
Lift those hands. Hold them high. Don't be ashamed. Turn around. It's tonight. We're going to sing this one more time. And as we do, every one of you that lifted your hand, I want you to join me at God's altar. Let's pray this together. Come on, sing it one more time. Come right now. Come right now as they're singing. Come on. Oh, you have no Come quickly. You have no Come quickly. You lifted your hand. Jesus is calling. God's still dealing with people. Let me just encourage you and don't push it off to another night because we don't know when Christ is coming. He could come tonight. Nothing's holding him back except his love, his grace. The Bible said he's given us more time so that we can see the precious fruit of the earth. That's the souls of men and women that are not yet ready to see Jesus, get ready to see Jesus. And so we're going to sing it again, but if the Lord's dealing with you, don't hit the red decline button on the call. Answer the call while he's calling. Tonight is a night of freedom. Can you say amen? Why would you let the devil harass you another day anyway? Why would you give him any place to mess with your life, mess with your family? It's coming to an end tonight in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? If you need to be at this altar, now's the time. We're going to sing this one last time. I want you to get out of your seat and come if it's you. When we pray this prayer, the Bible said all things are made new in Jesus' name. Come on, sing it one more time. Come on. You have no rival. Yeah. You have no equal. head bound. The Bible says if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. He made it that easy because he loves us that much. And so tonight we're going to pray this prayer. And as we do, I want you to say it from your heart. 
I want you to say it boldly. You know, we don't whisper this. We don't say it under our breath. Why? It's the most important decision you could ever make in your whole life. So we say it boldly and with a loud voice. Can you say amen? So repeat this with me. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And tonight I ask you, forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Give me power to live for you for the rest of my life until I die or until you come. I confess Jesus is Lord, and I believe you raised him from the dead. So from this day forward, I am your child, and I'm never going back to the old way of living. Say this good for good measure. Say, Satan, take your hands off my life. You are now trespassing on God's property because I belong to Jesus. Now lift your hands and thank God that it's done. Father, we give you praise. Now fill every one of these with the mighty power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that the devil thought he had to take them out, broken off tonight. It's broken off forever in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're putting your protective power around these children. They'll not be the same as their generation. They'll not be the same as those at their schools. They'll not be the same as their friends. But they'll be anointed. You'll use them for your glory to bring others into the kingdom of God. I pray you anoint every one of these to live holy lives, separated unto you. No wicked thing will come near their dwelling place. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. Let me say this to you before you return to your seats. Number one, if you don't have a home church, let this be your home church. I'm telling you, if I lived here, this is where I would go to church. I'm just being real. I would go here. I would sit on the front row, and I would run around this church every Sunday as Pastor Sandy or Pastor George preached. I would just run and shout and dance. This is a great church to be a part of. I'm being serious. This is a great church. Amen. Now listen, number two so vital. Read the Word of God every day. You have to do it. It builds your spirit. It's like food for your spirit, man. You got to do it. We'll get the kids Bibles if they need, like we have Bibles that we use for children, new believers. We'll get you one. Number two, read your Bible there. And number three, pray every day. At, at the beginning, it might be as simple as just talking to God. Say, I love you, God. I love you, Lord. Touch me today. Use me today. Help me bring somebody to Jesus today. Maybe you go to school. You say, Lord, come here. Purple shirt, come here. Shake my hand. God's touching you right now. Look right at me. God's touching you right now. You'll not be the same after tonight. The devil will not be able to destroy your life. Would you lift your other hand to Jesus? And begin to thank him that he's touching you tonight. Father, I pray that your anointing will be upon her. Use her in a mighty way. Power of God. He's anointing you tonight. He's touching you tonight for His glory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, protect her from every attack of the enemy. And I pray in Jesus' name, open doors of opportunity for her. Let her bring her friends and loved ones into the kingdom of God. 
in the name of Jesus, I pray, give her opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, never ending. We thank you, Lord, for it. Amen. Read, pray, go. That's what we do. Now listen, before you uh, leave tonight, please, Pastor Sandy, who'd be the best person they can contact you in contact with? Miss Jessica? Oh, you have the information? We want to pray for you by name. So if you would just turn to your right, Miss Jessica's right there. I can promise you she's not a human trafficker. Follow her that way. If you would, sing it one more time. Come on, you have no rival. Go ahead. Just follow Miss Jessica, if you would, for just a moment. Go ahead. Things that continued generation after generation after generation are being broken off tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hear me. Hear me. Your kids won't even know what it feels like. Can I just give you this word? You can store up favor for the next generation. I'm telling you, I'm thankful. I'm here tonight. I'm blessed. But it's not because of me. There's others that went before me that were faithful to God. My father and mother, they've been faithful in the ministry for almost 50 years. My grandfather, my grandmother, they served the Lord and full-time ministry, 62 years. My grandmother's still living. She may be watching online tonight. She's in her 90s in West Virginia, faithful to God. My, my family members, I thank God that we don't have to be where our parents were, where our grandparents were. We go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Think about this. My pastor said this. He said, my ceiling will be your floor. Get this. Say it with me. Their ceiling will be our floor. But now think about your children. Your ceiling will be their floor. They won't start where you started. They won't begin where you began. 
where God takes you in the Holy Ghost. That's why the Bible said your children are arrows in your quiver. You're putting them in the boat. But the Holy Ghost is empowering you to set that arrow on a course into blessing, into favor, into anointing, into power. Hear what I'm telling you. When you stepped into the body of Christ, you got a new family tree. Never again, don't ever again say, well, you know, this runs in our family. That, you know what runs in your family now? Blessing runs in your family. <laughs> don't get caught. You know, cancer runs in our family. Diabetes runs in our family. Alcoholism runs in our family. Domestic abuse, divorce runs. No, 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 not any longer. You're in a new kingdom now, baby. You got a new family tree now. now it doesn't run in your family anymore. Healing runs in your family. Breakthroughs run in your family. Favor runs in your family. Blessing runs in your family. Peace runs in your family. Joy runs in your family. <laughs> Somebody shout, the yoke is being broken. I felt this faith come on me tonight to pray for those of you. Maybe it came and harassed generation after generation, but you're standing and believing. It stops with me. My family will not look like previous generations. My family will not have what they had. I'm taking it to another level by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. I'll say it this way before we pray. David, the king, he stored up so much favor. The Bible says he was not only a man after God's own heart, he stored up so much favor that he died before he could get all his rewards for his faithfulness. So you know what God did? God put them into an account in heaven. Then I went to 2 Kings 19 and found out Judah was in trouble. And they're crying out to God, help us, God. God came down and was like, I'm going to help you, but not for your sake. I'm going to help you for my name's sake, but also for my servant David's sake. So I did the timeline, and I found out God said that 305 years after David died. It was 300 years later, and he was still pouring David's favors out on Israel 300 years later. What am I telling you? You're storing up favor tonight for your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. It's favor from generation to generation by the power of the Holy Ghost. Shout about it. If you're believing for that tonight, I want you to get out of your seat and get to this altar. We're praying for your family. We're praying for your children. We're praying for your grandchildren. The curse is broken tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. Go ahead. Let's worship the Lord.
every hand lifted high. Come on, come on, Tim. Come on, Tim. Every hand lifted. Come on, Tim. On every voice, you have no right. Come on, you have no <laughs> Come on, yours is. set you apart for such a time as this. His powers upon you. His anointings upon you. The fire of the Holy Ghost come upon her tonight. Our young people will not look like the other young people in this world. Our kids. I said our kids are not going to look like other children. Our grandkids aren't going to look like other grandkids. Oh yeah. They're not going to be going through life wondering who they are. They're, I said they're not going to be going through life wondering who they are. They're not going to need an antidepressant just to make it. They're not going to have to be on drugs to get through life. They're going to walk in the joy of the Holy Ghost, the power of God, the strength of heaven. It's the breakthrough anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you're thankful, shout <laughs> somebody shout, I've got it. Tell somebody next to you, you've got it. Tell them on the other side, you've got it. You know, we're going to leave with that song tonight, You Are the God That Never Fails. Be seated for a minute. We're going to give you an opportunity to sow. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. Oh, say it again. My cup is going to overflow. Yeah, God already knows how he's going to bless you. He has a plan of overflow. I said, he has a plan of overflow. I said, he has a plan of overflow. Say it with me. It's being multiplied. Oh, yeah. The seed God put in your hand, it's being multiplied. I said, it's being multiplied. I said, it's being multiplied. It's being multiplied. <laughs> Just let her lay. We'll get her a pillow and an alarm clock, blanket. Praise God. Somebody shout, it's multiplying. Say, it's multiplying. I know this in my spirit. Tonight, God's challenging some people to sow the biggest thing you've ever sown. Just be obedient. I don't even know what it is. You know, because the Lord's dealing with you about it. 
You know it's the Lord when you're trying to rebuke it and say, get thee behind me right now, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes the Lord will give you an instruction to do something just to test your heart, see where you're at. Oh, yeah. Do what the Lord tells you. You'll be blessed. Can you say amen? We're getting ready to step into some big things. I'm talking about you. We're getting ready to step into some big things. Stuff God's got planned, it ain't small. It's big. And you're going to step into something that others will look at you like, what in the world? What in the world? No eyes seen it. No ears heard it. No hearts imagined it. You're stepping into something big. I said you're stepping into something big. I said you're stepping into something big. <laughs> oh, man. We're stepping into something big. I refuse to remain where I am right now. Anybody else feel that way? I refuse to remain where I am right now. I'm going higher. I'm going higher. I'm going Oh, man, I feel like running. I feel like running. Can I, can I show you something? As you're preparing your offerings, I read this. Somebody might have to tear their check up right out a new one. Deuteronomy 28, very interesting. <laughs> Don't act like you've never had to rethink your offering before. I've been there. You've been there. <laughs> I love this. The blessings for obedience. Let me read you one verse. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, 13, my brother, if you have it for the monitor, it says this, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Get this second part. And you shall only go up and not down. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. You shall only go up and not down. Somebody say, I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm going up. I don't go down. Started at the bottom, now we're here. Started at the bottom, now the whole church here. Started at the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> you remember that old hymn of the church? Started at the bottom, now we're here. You know why? Because you shall only go up, and you shall not go down. You shall only go up, and you shall not go down. You're only going up. Your family's only going up. Your children are only going up. Your, your pay is only going up. <laughs> you shall not go down. You're not called to decrease. Can I give you an encouraging word? This ain't roller coaster Christianity. It's not up one year, down the next year, upside down the next year. It's up, up, up. I said it's up, up, up. We're going higher and higher and higher. Hallelujah. If I ever get invited back here, next time I come, you'll be at a much higher level than you were this time. Oh, yeah. I encourage, I encourage you with this word. Can you imagine? You look around tonight. And of course, they've had to pull chairs out. we got extra people. But you, you look around tonight. Can you imagine the day that's going to come to Power of Love when you look around this room like this? And this right here will just be a monthly volunteers meeting. It's a monthly volunteers meeting. This is just a prep meeting for Sunday morning. I said, this is just a prep meeting for Sunday morning. Get just the ushers, the greeters, the tech team, the parking lot team. This is just right here, the volunteer meeting. I mean, look around. I said, look around. Look around. 
Look around at what God's about to do. This is just the beginning of what God's going to do at Power of Love Church. It's just the beginning. Yeah. You shall only go up and you'll not go down. You'll only go up and you'll not go down. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's the God that can never fail. He doesn't know what it is to fail. Everything on the earth may fail. But you can never, ever fail. You are the God. You already ready to dance your way out, aren't you? I can't play it like them, though. <laughs> you been appreciating this awesome worship team? Man. And you might want to get here early tomorrow on Friday. I don't know where we're going to get seats for everybody. But you need to get somebody that needs a miracle. Bring them into the house. Tomorrow night, I have a word for you. And Friday, the Lord's already told me what to release in this place. Friday is going to be literally an overflow kind of night. It's going to be an overflow kind of night. I said it's going to be an overflow kind of night. I already know in my spirit, God's getting ready to pour some things out at this church. <laughs> you shall only go up. You shall not go down. Somebody declare it with me. I shall only go up. I shall not go down. I'll always be the head. I'll never be the tail. I'll always be above. I'll never be beneath. When I come in, when I go out, in the city and in the field, my basket and my storehouse, they are blessed. Because I am blessed by the hand of God. Would you stand on your feet tonight? Lift your offering to the Lord. Father, we thank you for every faithful sower that's in this place tonight. I thank you that as we release this seed into the kingdom, you are already multiplying it and bringing it back as a harvest. Lord, I thank you that this is going to be the best end of a year we've ever experienced. We're going to dance our way into 2024. We're dancing our way into 2024 by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you thanks and we give you praise. And if you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Pastor Sandy, anything before we go? We're good to go? All right. Come on and give tonight. We're going to leave here shouting. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Doors open at 6. Services at 7. Let's do it. Come on, come on, come on. You can never, ever fail. You are the God who can never fail. Oh, you don't know what it means to fail. 
Yeah. 